Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. I think we all know that Pastor Andrew is very good at what he does, but I should warn you that God's going to move today. Because mm-hmm. I'm preaching. I was praying for someone recently, not so recently, I guess a couple years ago now, who I was mentoring, and I was praying for her, and she started kind of shaking, and I thought, whew, God's moving. And she kept shaking, and then she just kind of stumbled and fell down. I had to keep praying for her while she was down on the ground. And I was like, man, this is a powerful prayer. And then when I finished praying for her, she said, I forgot to eat when I took my medication this morning. Could you go get me a glass of water? But I think it was my prayer. So last time I preached, it flooded. Act of God. So today, I think we can expect big things. I don't know what, but something big. So the irony of fire, I hope not. Please don't say that. <laughs> no fire, please. The, um, the series Living on Empty is starting today, Mother's Day Sunday. And that irony is not lost on me. <clears throat> I think every mother in the room can probably identify with this idea of living on empty. If you can't, then you're doing something really right, and I'd like to talk to you after the service. So when I heard that we were going to be having a series called Living on Empty, I thought, oh, great. That is a series I need to hear. And then I found out I was preaching it and thought, oh, no. (laughs) What do I have to bring on a topic that I need to hear? Yikes. So I headed to the example of Jesus. Luckily, I know how to study the Bible. I know how to look to Jesus for wisdom when I don't have it in myself. It's probably better for you all that I started my preparations this way anyway. So I headed to the example of Jesus, and we're going to explore a couple passages today from the Gospel of Mark. But first, I want to ask you a question. How can you tell when you are running on empty? How can you tell when you're running on empty? My first car was a 1988 maroon, you say maroon, but we say maroon, maroon Volkswagen Fox. It was not a spectacular or new vehicle. Oops, this isn't, (laughs) we're just going places. Uh, It wasn't a spectacular or new vehicle. It was kind of quirky, but I loved it. One of the quirks of this vehicle was that the windscreen wasn't properly sealed, uh, so when it would rain, I'd get drips falling on my feet and in my lap, but, you know, that's not really too detrimental. Uh, The other quirk that was of greater concern was that the fuel gauge was broken. So my tank was always on quarter tank. 
No matter how much or how little petrol I had in the car, it was always on quarter tank. And because the needle didn't drop down below a quarter of a tank, that little red warning light that told you, get to a petrol station immediately, also did not come on. Uh, and that was a little problematic for me. So more than once, I ran out of fuel. And more than once, I did so close enough to the petrol station that as the car started to chug and engine died, I could just throw it into neutral and coast my way into the service station. That was really lucky. I was not always quite that lucky. So in order to run out of petrol as infrequently as possible, I got in the habit, the routine of regularly fueling up. So I had a day of the week where I would put petrol in no matter how much or how little I had used the car that week, just so that I could always keep it as close to full as possible so that I was less likely to run out and hopefully coast into a petrol station. Now, unfortunately, as human beings, we also don't have a little red warning light when we are running low. However, there are other warning signs in our lives that we are getting close to empty. And so here are a couple, this is not an exhaustive list, but here are a couple of things that can be warning lights to us that we are starting to get dangerously low, that we are beginning to run on empty. The first of those is that our emotions are all over the place. Do you ever suddenly burst into tears? That could be a sign that you're running low. Or do you suddenly burst in other ways? Maybe burst out in anger towards the people around you. You uh, yell, and then all of a sudden you realize what's come out of your mouth, but it's too late to reel it back in because you're not in control of your emotions anymore. Sure. You can tell that I'm not a pro at PowerPoint. This is definitely my fault. <laughs> you struggle with concentration. That's another one up there. You struggle with concentration. You can't stay focused on things. You're having problems at work. Or you can't even complete a thought because you get knocked off into something else that you're thinking about having to do. And your brain is like a ping pong match. Maybe you're physically fatigued beyond what is, uh, seems appropriate for the amount of exertion that you're putting your body through. You become really easily fatigued. When I had just had Jonas, uh, when he was a couple months old, he was really small. He wasn't putting on weight like he should have been, and so we were on a really strict feeding routine with him. We had to feed him every three hours, even through the night. We had to feed him every three hours. And uh, so I had an alarm, I had many alarms set on my, on my watch to wake me up, to remind me that it was time that he needed to be fed again. And he was such a slow feeder because he didn't have a lot of energy, he would fall asleep and we'd spend the whole time trying to wake him up enough to drink his bottle. 
And uh, so sometimes it would take more than an hour to give him a bottle. And if you have to feed every three hours, you really don't want feeds to be lasting that long. By the time you get all of the other things that you have to get done in order to start the cycle again, sometimes there was only 15 minutes left before we had to restart. And so I would be sleeping in anywhere from 15 minute to hour and a half stretches of time. I never really got more than an hour and a half. And I was so completely exhausted, mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. I was bursting into tears constantly. I couldn't finish sentences because I forgot what I was saying by the time half of it came out of my mouth. And I remember this one night I was sleeping and my alarm went off and I was fully convinced. I shut off the alarm and I was fully convinced that this alarm was not for my baby that this alarm was for the other baby in the bassinet. So luckily, I did not have to get up and feed him because this wasn't my baby's alarm. So I fell back asleep. And I don't know how much longer after this it was that my husband, Matt, woke me up and said, did you feed Jonas? Did you get up and feed Jonas? And I was trying to explain to him that I didn't need to get up and feed him because that alarm was for the other baby. And he was looking at me like, something is not right here. And I could tell that he was confused, but didn't recognize that I was the one that was confused. And so I just said to him, you'll understand later. Because I thought once he looked in the bassinet and saw the other baby, obviously he would know that that alarm was for the other baby. I finally clued in that I was speaking utter nonsense and got up and fed the baby. And he survived. He's a year and a half and he's doing well. So parenting success moment right there, I'd say. I had many warning signs that I was running on empty. Have you ever felt that way? (laughs) There's more. If you're withdrawing from relationships, maybe you're an introvert, and so this isn't a great indicator for you, but if you're an extrovert especially, withdrawing from relationships can be a sign that you are running on empty. It can be a warning light for you because you thrive on relationships. And so if you're pulling back from relationships, that should tell you that something's not right. Relationships can be really energy-giving. They can be really life-bringing. But I think we all know that relationships can also take energy from you. And some relationships take more energy from us than others. But especially when even the most positive relationships, easiest relationships in our lives, we find ourselves withdrawing from, that's a warning to us that we are running on empty can also be a warning if you feel more pessimistic or cynical than usual. If you, if you don't suffer from depression, but you're starting to feel depressed, this can be something that tells you you're running on empty. And even your body responds to the fact that you're running on empty in a physical way, and you may find that you're getting sick a whole lot more frequently than you normally would because your immune system isn't keeping up when you're running on empty. So these are some of those little warning lights that can go off to tell us, hey, stop what you're doing. This isn't working. You're running on empty and you need to fuel up. One of the little catchphrases I think that has come out of this time of pandemic is the new normal. 
We've probably all heard or used that phrase, the new normal. Well, we should not be letting these things, these symptoms, these signs become our new normal. They are warning signs. They are signs that should be telling us you've got to do something differently. Um, It's not just something to accept that, oh, I guess I'm a snappy person now. I just blew up at my husband. I guess that's who I am now. Or, oh, I have a cold again. I've just got to push through because the world doesn't have time to slow down for me to get healthy. No, take these as warnings and do something to change. I just want to talk today about one healthy habit that you can change in your life. One thing that you can do to cause change in your life. I'm only going to talk about one thing today because I'm starting this series and I'm a kind person and I want to leave something for Pastor Andrew to speak about for however many weeks we're in this series. So just one thing. I hope that that's something that you can remember and take home with you. So we're going to look at our first passage from the Gospel of Mark, which will pop on the screen up here, and I'll read out for you. So this is from Mark chapter 6. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, the disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus was well into his ministry at this point in time. He'd been performing miracles and healings, doing a lot of teaching. He was super, super busy. And I think for me, it can be easy sometimes to forget the humanity of Jesus, because I know Jesus is God, and I think of him that way. But when he was on earth here, he also had on himself humanness. He did get tired, and this passage tells us that he got tired, just like you do, just like I do. The amount of things that he was doing, what he was carrying, was difficult, and he didn't magically have the ability to do it better than us just because he's God. He was also man. And on top of all of that busyness, on top of the physical pressures of the life of ministry that he was leading— He had also, right before this, suffered a really huge personal trauma that he had found out that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded by King Herod. And so he's going through this emotional turmoil, as well as carrying all of this load of um, what they're doing, the travel, the teaching, and mentoring these disciples of his as well at the same time. So he's, he's got a lot on his plate. And when he takes some time, tries to take some time to step away, just himself and the disciples to get some really much needed rest, people follow him because they want more from him. 
Is that something the moms in the room can relate to? (laughs) People wanting more from you when you're already tired. Maybe you started your day earlier than you hoped to, wanted to, expected to by getting woken up early. You've already done two loads of laundry. You've unloaded and reloaded the dishwasher. You've fed the family. You've started the online grocery order. And you finally get a chance to sit down. And all you want to do is enjoy your precious cup of coffee with a few minutes of peace. And then you get a frustrating text. Someone's was supposed to do something and it's fallen through and now their to-do list items are on your to-do list and you've got someone standing in front of you wanting something more from you. I don't think this is an atypical, untypical, and a not typical situation for moms to be finding themselves in. So how do you respond when you're exhausted and someone wants more from you. I was reading some uh, mom confessions online. They're really funny. I think my favorite one was the one that said, sometimes I lie to my husband and tell him I have to do number twos so I can lock myself in the bathroom and play Candy Crush for a few minutes of peace. (laughs) My own mom confession from this morning, I did not have time to get out the iron. So I took the wrinkles out of part of my outfit this morning with a hair straightener while I was getting ready. I'm not going to tell you it was a good idea, but it did work. And I didn't burn myself. One of my other mom moments, tiredness moments, was when I was eating leftover curry, I got more than halfway through my lunch before I realized I was eating with two forks instead of a knife and a fork. And I actually came out on top in that because I'd given Matt two knives. So I don't know how he was going to do with his curry once he got a chance to sit down and have it. It's not strange for us in the busyness of our lives, and I know this isn't just the moms, but it's Mother's Day Sunday, so give it to us, guys. I know that everyone else also understands the pressures of a busy life, of that kind of tiredness where we feel like we can't keep going like this or we're going to hit a wall. And the way that we respond in those moments tells us how far down that track we are. And we see Jesus in this passage where he's tired physically, he's tired emotionally, and how did he respond? He didn't respond by snapping at the people who wanted something more from him. He had compassion on them. He responds in a way that shows grace. And he responds in a way that even though he's tired and had plenty of reason to be, demonstrates that he wasn't living on empty. I've been a missionary for almost 20 years now. And I grew up as a pastor's kid. So I've seen a lot of people in ministry. And I have seen a lot of people suffering from exhaustion or even burnout over the course of my lifetime. And one of the common trends that I've noticed with people when they start to see these signs of 
I'm empty, coming up, popping up in their lives, is a temptation to just drop everything and run. Let go of everything because obviously I'm overwhelmed and so I just need to let it all go. So I think it's even more shocking then when we see Jesus in this passage pick up more, right? I'm not suggesting to us that we should just pick up more. That's not the takeaway I'm giving you today. But it does show us that he's living from a different place because not only did he not respond in a way that shows that he's living on empty, he actually picked up more. He carried even more. So Jesus must be doing something that I need to know. He must be doing something right that I want to implement in my life so that I can also respond with compassion when people want more from me, because that's the kind of mom I want to be. I don't want to be the ticking time bomb mom. I want to be the compassion mom. And I think every one of you probably wants that for your lives and for your kids and for your workplaces. So I went back to the start of the gospel. I left this passage in Mark 6, and I went back to Mark chapter 1. And I started reading at the beginning, and I found something interesting in the first chapter. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 35. It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Hey, buddy. When there are needs set before you, if we're just on autopilot, the natural thing to do, I think, is for us to start picking up and meeting those needs. Functioning this way, our days are task-driven. They're driven by the tasks that are presented before us rather than being driven by any kind of greater vision or purpose. It's also really draining, And it's not very fulfilling. And it won't take long if we're living this way for us to start feeling empty. I'm going to tell you something that may surprise you. I used to work out. Clearly, I don't anymore. But I used to work out. And my favorite piece of equipment at the gym was the elliptical. It's the one that's kind of a cross between a treadmill and an exercise bike. It's this one. Yeah? Thank you. I took drama in school. And it was my favorite, but if you jumped on the elliptical and just started going, it automatically went into a mode called manual. And manual mode was just a never-ending line. You could increase your intensity by making more of an incline or by um, 
what do you call it? The resistance, increasing the resistance. So you could make it a little bit harder. You could make it a little easier, but you were in control of how difficult you wanted it to be, how easy you wanted it to be, and also how long you wanted it to be. You just stop it when you decided you'd have an, you had had enough. There is no end time. There's no set program. And I hated manual mode. My favorite mode was called interval mode. So on interval mode, there would be some easy, followed by some hard. Some easy, some hard. Some easy, some hard. And it was for a set period of time. So even though in theory the manual mode was easier because I could make it as easy as I wanted and as short or as long as I wanted, I actually never got nearly as good a workout when I was on manual mode as when I was on interval mode because it always defeated me. I found it really discouraging to be on manual mode because the only way out of manual mode was to quit. So even if I had gone for a long period of time, I still felt like it had won because I never reached a goal at the end. I had to quit to get out of it. Whereas with the interval mode, I worked harder, but I was working towards a goal. I knew how many minutes this mode was going to take. I knew I was going to work hard to get there, but I was able to push through that difficult because I had a goal set before me. And so even if I had it on an easier setting and for a shorter period of time, I never liked the manual mode as much because I was always a quitter at the end. So when Simon found Jesus in this passage, this is just at the early part of his ministry, but he has already been preaching. He's been casting out demons. He has been doing miracles, performing miracles. And when Simon goes and finds Jesus, if Jesus was running on manual mode, he would have gone back with Simon and just started to take people one by one who had been bringing their needs before him, starting to meet the needs of these people. I'm sure he would have had a very long to-do list of tasks that these people were ready to present to him. But we see that Jesus had gone away to spend time in prayer. Jesus had a habit of setting his eyes on God. And we see that here in this passage, but also throughout the Gospels. This wasn't a one-off thing that Jesus had gone off to pray. He regularly took time away from others to set his eyes on God. And as a result of that time spent setting his eyes on God, he had a vision for what it was that God wanted to accomplish in him. And it allowed him to look at the things that lay before him and know which things to pick up and which things to lay aside. So he didn't have to just throw everything out and say, I'm exhausted. He knew which things were in line with God's vision for him and which things weren't. So he knew which things to pick up and which things to lay aside. So he didn't just let the tasks set before him set his course. His eyes were on God, and so his course was clear. If we bring this one healthy practice, this one healthy habit of setting our eyes on God, I think it's going to be game-changing for a lot of us. 
because we want to have God's vision. We want to know a purpose behind why we're doing what we're doing. And to tell you the truth, when I am feeling empty, I hate this passage (laughs) because I see that Jesus got up early in the morning and went away to pray. But I think, I'm going to present this, I think that the principle here is not dependent on time of day. I really hope it's not. I think it isn't. My impression is that the reason Jesus was getting up early in the morning and going away to find time to pray was because that's the only time of day that he could get peace. That's the only time of day that he could sneak off to do this, and that's why he did so early in the morning. So for me, it's not going to be getting up early in the morning. Uh, Maybe for you, it is. But maybe for you, your setting your eyes on God time is going to be when you get home from work earlier than your partner and you have some time of peace and quiet in the house. Maybe it's while your kids are down for a nap or after you've already dropped them off at school and before you start your other daily activities. I think that the when is less important than the why. It doesn't matter when we regularly set our eyes on God, but it does matter that we regularly set our eyes on God. The first thing that I see happening when we set our eyes on God is that it gives purpose to our tasks. If you feel like you're running on empty, there are probably things in your life that you've lost God's vision for or never had God's vision for. If you stop for a second and think about your life, what is it that comes to mind as the thing that saps your strength the most? Could be a relationship. Could be something to do with your workplace or study. Could be caring for your kids. Whatever it is, when was the last time you took time to ask God for his vision for that. Having God's vision for what we're doing can not only help bring fulfillment into those things and take something that felt like a menial task and make it an important task in your life, but it can also help you see clearly what things are unimportant and just busy work in your life, so you know which things to lay down. The way to avoid burnout isn't by dropping everything, but a part of it is going to be not carrying the things that don't serve God's purposes in your life. What I think is really exciting is that beyond the natural benefits of setting our eyes on God, that we live better when we live with vision, we also have the supernatural benefits of setting our eyes on God. It allows us to trade our weakness for God's strength. So even though Jesus and the disciples in that first passage we read were feeling really tired and exhausted, both physically and emotionally, they were able to choose what was in line with the purposes of God. And as they chose to align themselves with God's purposes, 
He supplied the empowerment to do the things that he was calling them to do. So we stopped reading this passage at the point where Jesus showed compassion and he began to teach the people who had followed them. But if we read on, we would have seen that this passage is actually the introduction of the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So he has compassion on them that he doesn't surrender to that tiredness. He chooses the purposes of God and they bring their tiredness. They bring five loaves and two fishes and God turned it into a miracle and he turned it into abundance. They had so much leftover food after this feeding with not enough food to start with that they had 12 baskets of scraps 12 baskets of leftovers at the end of it. They didn't even start with that much. And they had that much leftover because God brought his abundance when all they had to give was their own weakness. And I believe that as we set our eyes on God, as we align with the purposes that he has for the things that we're carrying in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in every arena of our lives, we're going to see God do miracles of abundance in those two. I believe that he can take what would have been snapping at our kids and turn it into demonstrations of patience. That he can take what would have been gossiping about our coworkers and turn it into encouragement and championing others. That he can take fragile relationships and he can turn them into intimacy, and that he can take anxiety and turn it into clarity and turn it into focus. Okay, you guys, to come back up. So I want to take a little time just to pray for those things now. When I heard that this series was coming, I immediately knew it was for me. And I have no doubt, I'm confident that there are others here this morning that know that this series is for you too, that this is where you've been feeling you're at. You're running on empty and you don't know how you're going to keep going. Well, we don't keep going. It's got to start with change. So if you're feeling empty this morning, you need a God, you need God, not a God, you need God to restore vision to the things that you're carrying and clarity to know which things you shouldn't be carrying. I want to pray for you this morning. And I also want to pray for you if you feel like you have that vision, but you've been trying to accomplish the vision in your own strength instead of in God's strength. I want to pray his empowering over you this morning because it's his vision. He'll supply what you need in order to see it fulfilled. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that it's as easy as setting our eyes on you and that you do a profound miracle of abundance when we do. I pray for everyone in this room who is feeling like they're running on empty and needs to see something change in their lives. God, I pray that as they set their eyes on you, that you would bring clarity to them once again. 
that you would help them to see your vision, your purposes for the things that you've called them to. And God, as they choose your vision, as they align themselves with your vision, I also pray that you would empower us, that we could bring our tiredness, that we could bring our weakness before you, and that you could supply everything that we need to fulfill your vision in our lives. God, thank you for the miracle of abundance. Thank you that it's not just about loaves and fishes, but it's about relationships. It's about families. It's about healthy work environments. God, we pray for testimony after testimony of abundance to come out of this place, to come out of our lives. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.